When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Maybe it's just that you don't know how to use social courtesy. Oh, that's old-fashioned. Watch how Lizzie Post and Dan Post act as host and hostess. They know that courtesy means showing respect, thinking of the other person, real friendliness. On this episode of Awesome Etiquette, we answer your questions on inviting yourself on someone else's vacation. Should you bow out or decline a wedding invite from a colleague? When encountered with questions or comments about your adopted children, should you educate or not educate the offender? How to say it's not okay, even to your good friends. And a question that we may need your help with. All that plus a postscript segment on flu etiquette coming up. Awesome Etiquette comes to you from the studios of Vermont Public Radio and is proud to be part of the Infinite Guest Network from American Public Media. I'm Lizzie Post. And I'm Dan Post-Senning from the Emily Post Institute. Hey, Dan, where in the world are you now? Good question. <laughs> I thought... It's, it's February 15th. <laughs> I thought I'd run us through time. So it's February 15th when we're all hearing this together. So wait, hold on. Wait, wait, wait. wait, 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 wait. Yes. You were on your honeymoon and celebrated Valentine's Day in a a foreign locale. Yes. <laughs> and it's funny. My love life hates your love life. <laughs> that you're thinking about Valentine's Day and I'm thinking that I might miss the Super Bowl. Yeah, well, exactly, right? <laughs> the big picture is I'm on my honeymoon right now and we've recorded this show early. And while we're recording the show, there's still eight days to go before I leave. And Pooj and I are starting to freak out because <laughs> we're both going to be gone for a week or a month. And there's a ton to do. And we're supposed to be having a great time, but we're trying not to let the anticipation turn into anxiety and anyway so that's the the looking forward moment I'm that gonna, was the looking back looking back to look forward looking back to look forward. now let's jump forward in time to the current moment now when everyone's hearing this and we are in mumbai on the 15th of february which is when you might be hearing this but believe it or not while you're hearing this, I'm now 12 hours ahead on oh, india most likely you're on the 16th already <laughs> so i'm on the 16th so the three places in time that we might be, yeah. the the middle and the last, I am in Mumbai or we have gotten onto our flight, we've left Mumbai and we're now heading to Bali where Ooh. we'll spend the final two weeks for the, the beach and relaxation portion of the honeymoon experience. Can I correct an assumption that just came earlier? Mm-hmm. I actually don't like Valentine's Day and I do love the Super Bowl. So uh. just saying, <laughs> I just would like that out there. <laughs> I can't wait to see all of the pictures. You better be posting. I know. I them. wish I could tell you I more know. about Mumbai, but, but I don't know yet. yet. No, that'll be all of all of March. <laughs> all right. Should we get to some questions? Let's do it. It looks all right, but what am I supposed to do? That's the question. On every episode of Awesome Etiquette, we take your questions on how to behave. And our first question I love because it's something I think a lot of people are really tempted to do, and I've titled it, May I Join You? 
Hi, Lizzie and Daniel. My wife's aunt and uncle are on a long-term sailing trip right now. They are sailing from Virginia to the Caribbean and back. She's not super close to them because they've always lived far away, but they visit frequently as much of the family lives near us. I'd really like to fly down there and spend some time with them in the islands. Sailing on a boat like that has been a dream of mine. My wife views this as imposing on their vacation. I view it more as asking if we could visit them at their new temporary home. She agrees that it would be fine to ask to visit them at their home. What do you think? Thanks, Dale. Dale, I think that Lizzie set me up with this question just a little bit. Why did I set you up? Because <laughs> we just talked about me being out and about in the world on the honeymoon. I think that's different. I do, too. You're visiting Pooja's family who couldn't make it to the wedding. That's a really different thing than, hey, can I come on your vacation with you? It is, although... And I argue that is not them having a temporary home. That's no. a vacation that those no, folks are No, this is absolutely... And, and it's not a left-field question. I'll put no. it this way. And no. and I'll, I'll give you sort of a parallel that's a little different, that my parents are coming with Pooja and I on the first part of this trip mm-hmm. <laughs> that I'm currently on right now. You invited them. Uh, we did invite them. Mm-hmm. They did not invite themselves. And they were so careful and cautious about repeatedly checking in with us about not getting too involved, being sure that we built the time where we separated and went our own ways into it and that they really respected us. In fact, my mother really wanted to go to Bali and waited to loop back around and go to Bali until Pooja and I were gone. But so I'll that- tell you, too, I don't think that Dale should ask to go with them and then not spend time with the people once he's down there. You know, I no. think your parents did something very different. Yes, and they'd already been invited exactly. to come with us. Exactly. I, I guess my larger point is that it's understandable that families would think about coordinating right. trips like this. That's it's why not, it's not out of left field. It's not so out of left field. At right, the same right, time, right. I do think that you're wise to be thinking about it, and I would be careful about making this ask. I, I wouldn't do it. I don't think I would either. A, a boat is different than a home, and you're right. It's an absolute dream. I can so understand why you'd want to be involved, why this would be a dream trip that you would want to share. At the same time, boats are – they're all about economy of space and size. Visiting someone on a boat is not easy. It's not the same thing as someone hosting you in their vacation home. And precisely because this is such a, a spectacular and special trip, I think you want to be really careful about imposing on it or even causing them the awkwardness of having to decline your request. Even right. if you really were um, that generous in your spirit with your ask that we, we want to come, we totally understand if it's a no and you're ready and prepared to receive that no, sometimes there's a courtesy to not making someone turn you down. It would be one thing if these people did this every single year and they said some year when you're able to let us know we'll make accommodations for you. That would be an invite, an open-ended invite. My parents have friends that have a beautiful boat. You know, I saw it the first time this summer and they've told my parents, come down when you can. My aunt and uncle just went down and visited them on that boat. But this would is different. Be great indicators yeah. that that this kind of ask different. would be okay. You can always talk about how cool it is, how awesome <laughs> it is, but don't start really fishing for that invite. So, Dale, we hope that in your future is an invitation from this aunt and uncle, or we hope that you are able to make your own trip on your own boat, which will be really exciting. Our next question has to do with whether to bow out or decline. Hi, Lizzie and Dan. I'm writing because my husband has a question. A few months ago, he received a save the date for a work colleague's wedding. Since receiving it, he has been promoted, so he doesn't really work closely with the groom anymore. He doesn't want the groom to feel obligated to invite him. We know every guest contributes pretty significantly to wedding costs. Should he tell the groom it's okay to skip our invite? 
Or is it okay to decline when the invitation comes? We'd be grateful for your guidance. Best, Wendy and Steve. I think that if they do not want to go to this wedding, that they just decline the invite. And then the bride and groom will have the choice to put someone else in that place should they want to issue round two of invitations, which some brides and grooms do. But what I really do not think you should do is to go up to him at work and say, you know, don't worry about invites. First of all, he might be very proud to be able to invite you to this wedding. You don't know what his feelings are about your husband and about the working relationship. He may really look up to your husband, and this is something he feels necessary and and wants to do. Don't take that away from him. Instead, let him invite you, decline the invitation if you're uncomfortable going, or go and support the couple and feel happy about it. But let them choose to invite you and let that be an okay thing. Yeah. And on the flip side, if he wasn't planning to invite you in the first place— You know, don't invite me to I, – I, you know, I just want to exempt myself. It, it starts to oh, sound a little – Like you don't uh, like, want to go. You just don't want it to sound like, oh, your wedding's not really good enough for me. It's fine if you decline the invitation and just I can't go. And you can have whatever reason you want for not going. But the heading it off at the pass makes it feel really uncomfortable. So, yeah, just decline the invitation and I think you guys will be doing just fine. But don't forget to send the wedding gift. Awesome Etiquette gets support from StoryWorth. There are some stories about your mom's life that you truly never get tired of hearing. From hilarious to heartfelt, tear-jerking to plot-twisting, mom's retelling of the events always brings a bit of joy. Just in time for Mother's Day, we here at Awesome Etiquette found the perfect gift that can capture all of your mom's stories for your family forever. It's called StoryWorth. StoryWorth helps you preserve precious memories and stories from your mom or a mother figure in your life for years to come. Here's how it works. Each week, StoryWorth emails your loved one a thought-provoking question that you get to help pick. What was your first job? Who was your first crush? (laughs) StoryWorth makes the writing process a breeze. All your loved one needs to do is to respond to the email prompt with a story. Long or short, it doesn't matter. I did this with my mom and it was really, really rewarding. You'll be emailed a copy of your loved one's responses as they're submitted over the course of the year. You'll get to enjoy their retelling of the stories, some you probably already know, or maybe the ones that you're surprised by you haven't heard before. (laughs) After that year of fun discovery and reminiscing, StoryWorth compiles your loved one's stories and photos into a beautiful keepsake hardcover book that you'll be able to share and revisit for generations to come. You can even keep a copy of the book for yourself. Give all the moms in your life a unique, heartfelt gift that you all will cherish for years. StoryWorth. Right now, save $10 on your first purchase when you go to storyworth.com slash manners. That's storyworth, S-T-O-R-Y-W-O-R-T-H dot com slash manners. It's manners with an S to save $10 on your first purchase. And now back to our show. Lizzie's titled our next question, My Kids Weren't Saved. Hi, Lizzie and Dan. I'm the mother of three beautiful adopted children. Our family decided that we would be open about the adoptions from the start, and most people know that our sons are adopted. We considered it part of our family creation story and nothing to hide or be ashamed of. Being open about the way we created our family has been wonderful and has led to many engaging conversations with people fascinated to learn more about our experience. 
The problem is that many people choose to make statements like, you and your husband are such good people, and other statements that imply we saved our sons or that we took them in. My children are not acts of charity and not something we did because we wanted to be better people. It was just the way we chose to grow our family. Their father, we are divorced, has always felt it is best just to say thank you and accept the compliment. I feel that it does a disservice to not take the opportunity to educate these well-meaning people on how their compliment comes across to many of us in the adoption community. Can you please ring in on this debate? Thank you. Anonymous. First of all, I just really want to tell you that this is not an uncommon thing for parents who have adopted to feel and to experience. And it's in fact in our 18th edition, we talk about not making comments like, oh, you saved them from such a terrible life or this, that or the other thing. First of all, they have no idea where your children came from, like they unless you've told them the situation that your your kids were adopted out of, then I think that's the only way that they might know. But it's I think it's really hard to walk the line between educating and needing and feeling the desire to educate other people and doing what's right. And I think that sometimes you need to take your husband's suggestion of just let them say it. It's not the moment where you're going to educate it. Just be tolerant and move forward. You can also say, you know, I appreciate that you might not know this, but we didn't save our children. We adopted them. And just a simple sentence to correct it, because I think as as a as a mom of kids who are adopted and as your kid's mom, you always want to protect and you, you want to put it out there. And it might be something that I think could you could get going on a roll, and the next thing you know, you've made the other person very uncomfortable. Um, you are, in effect, calling out their bad behavior, and they don't know that their behavior is about to be bad. So you're coming from a place where you're dealing with ignorance, and this actually spreads into much larger conversations, but I want to try to keep it focused on the adoption world. You're dealing with someone who is ignorant of the fact that they are offending you. And I think it's okay to make a quick correction to let them know that an offense occurred. What I would not advise you to do, I won't say you can't do it, but I'm not going to advise you to go further and educate them on why. I think they can go home and Google it. They can go home and say or call up a friend who has adopted kids and say, hey, I said this and someone corrected me and I just I didn't even realize I never occurred to me that that would be offensive. And I think it's important to not become the great crusader for it, but to make yourself feel like you can stand up for what you want. So again, I would say, you know, we didn't take our kids in, we adopted them or, you know, really don't know anything about their background. So I'm not sure saved is the right word, but I understand what you're trying to say. And saying that you understand what they're trying to say, I think, would really help in this situation because I think you do. I think you do understand that they're not trying to to say something offensive, but they really don't know. And this might be a way to open up. It's also something you can talk about with your friends. Oh, my gosh, I've been dealing with this lately and it's frustrating. And that's how you get people who then start talking about it with their friends and then they start mentioning it to their friends. And the next thing you know, you have made a change without making people feel stupid and like they should be ashamed of the language they had chosen. I I wish you could see Lizzie at the mic 
tapping her little fingers as if she's like sending little threads of change out into the world as she's describing that. I, I couldn't agree more. You you might find opportunities if they ask a follow-up question yes. where where then you can really get into that that role of educating so, so well. But I it's that tricky etiquette place of trying to correct someone without at the same time pointing out their mistake. I think Lizzie's really gotten to the heart of the matter so, so well here precisely because it is such a, a tricky and personal choice to make and it really needs to be – you need to be in every particular situation you find yourself in assessing to what degree you're going to challenge those assumptions and to what degree you're going to move on. I think it could be difficult to try to give their father direction about how he should be navigating this type of decision making. I think that you're in good shape to decide to what extent you want to go down that road. But I think that it could be a little bit difficult to tell someone else that they should be making more of an effort to correct and to educate people who have um, these assumptions. Well, Anonymous, we agree that this is a really important concept to be thinking about and to be handling well, and we even included it in the 18th edition. We thought it was so important. We hope this helps, and best of luck moving forward. But there's more. What's that? More questions coming up, but first, a word from our sponsor. Here, let's try another trick. Our next question is about how to say it's not okay. And this is that situation where friends, um, you know, kind of a little bit bulldoze you and you eventually want to stand up for it. And I really like it because there are a lot of moments in friendships where I think we brush way too much stuff off. And I think it's okay in our friendships to start being a little bit like, hey, no, I really don't like that behavior. So it begins. Hi, Lizzie and Dan. I seem to have collected a group of friends who are notorious for being late and or double booking themselves. Most recently, today, my friend who lives in a different city and I were supposed to have a long overdue FaceTime catch up session scheduled for 10 a.m. This conversation had already been rescheduled once on her side. I was excited and ready at my computer at 10 a.m. for a good chat. She didn't pick up her phone for the call and a hi, are we still on text went unreturned. 30 minutes later, I got an apologetic text saying that she had forgotten and had double booked herself by accident and asked if I would be around later. I didn't know how to respond. I'm getting tired of this recurring situation, but I didn't want to make her feel bad. I didn't know whether to say that's all right or that's okay because really I'm not okay with it, but... How do you acknowledge an apologetic message without being a pushover that is constantly left waiting? And how long should you wait before giving up on an arranged meeting? Because there are a good six-hour drive separating us, a face-to-face -face conversation about this isn't possible. And spontaneous calls go straight to voicemail. She's also rather sensitive type who gets hurt easily. For today, I went with the usual, that's all right, how about we reschedule for next week, and I'm hoping that the third time's the charm. But any advice? Thanks, Catherine. Hi, Catherine. We get a version of this question almost every week. Unre unreliable friends, friends who break dates, don't show up. We've talked about uh, people not showing up for dinner parties, for planned social gatherings where people are meeting and getting together. This lack of accountability to each other definitely ends up presenting a social problem, and it makes some people, um, in this case you, feel um, taken advantage of. And it's not that, respected. Her it's time that isn't respected. Feeling of disrespect that really wow. is um, it corrupts relationships. Yeah. And we often talk about approaching etiquette through the lens of relationship and relationship building. And it's an absolute courtesy to honor your commitments <laughs> and to stick with it and to make an effort on behalf of friends. That's how you develop the social capital, the currency that relationships are built on. 
So how do you handle it when someone doesn't pull their weight? I definitely think that the the power of the when you I feel statement can't be overstated in a situation like this. I think that you're in really solid etiquette territory here with your your basic assumption, your baseline being you accept someone's apology and you move on from it. That's probably the easiest thing that you can do and sort of hits all your marks for good courtesy in the situation. I do think that there is room here for you to think to yourself about how honesty plays into this as well, that at a certain point when you're communicating with someone, if there's something that's going unsaid, some people view it as that there's a certain type of lie that's the lie of omission, that sometimes it's important to say something when it's what you're thinking or what you're feeling and that it's part of of having integrity in a relationship to tell someone (laughs) something that you're thinking that's really impacting the relationship. And I think that, that that is the mark you can use for yourself to decide when do I say something. And you say something when when you should. <laughs> and you should say something when it's starting to negatively impact the situation and it is here. So you tell your friend, you know, I that's okay. I understand things happen. It was just a FaceTime call. We can absolutely reschedule that for next week. I should tell you that we missed one last week also. <laughs> and I noticed when we missed a second one, it made me feel like this wasn't important to you. Or even just, you know, I'm totally fine with rescheduling. The problem is that I'm left waiting around for half an hour and I've I've carved out time for this. Mm-hmm. And I think really hitting her with what how it affects you takes a little bit off her from being able to be too hurt by it and say, you know, I still love you. The reason this is important to me is because I want to catch up with you. But I need to I need to be able to schedule stuff. And I really want to make sure we make a time that you can count on. And then I would follow up by checking up with her as you get closer to the day to make sure she doesn't double book. So there's a certain honesty to delivering that bad news and delivering it well. And you can always soften it a little bit. (laughs) You can always say... (laughs) acknowledge the friendship, the quality of the friendship, how much you appreciate her, that you would want her to tell you if there was something like this that was bothering her or him about the situation. So those are all things that could soften that blow a little bit. But I also think it's it's important in the relationship to, to let each other know how what we're doing impacts each other. It's not quite a broccoli on the tooth rule. You're not saving them future embarrassment, but it's it's a willingness to address something that's a little awkward or difficult for the sake of everybody involved. And, and I think that's worth it. It's worth your time and it's going to be worth your friend's time, um, whether or not they appreciate it instantly or not. And if she is really sensitive, make sure that you then do things that are really normal in your friendship, sending the, hey, how's it going texts and the positive vibes out there so that she knows Okay, sure, you corrected her. Sure, you let her know that she hurt you or she upset you in some way. But you also do the other things that make her feel safe in your friendship, that your friendship isn't going to just disappear because of this one moment. We often say human attention is a gift and you can't demand or expect that attention of someone. But you can give someone the information to let them know what the status of your relationship is so they can make a good decision about what they do with their attention. We really hope that helps. It sounds like you're an excellent friend, and I'm sure that you're going to find a a good resolution for this particular situation. This question has to do with purchasing personal property. By accident, in fact. Hi, Lizzie and Dan. I recently purchased a used novel from my local bookstore. Upon reaching the midway point of the book, I came across two postcards that, I assume, belong to a previous owner of my book. I have not read the bodies of the postcards. This requires great restraint on my part but they are addressed and stamped and appear ready to be mailed. The postcards are dated several years ago. 
What should I do with these postcards? Do I place them in the mail to be delivered? Do I throw them away? Should I be considerate of any private concerns before disposing of them? Thank you for your consideration of my question. Best regards, Leslie Dye. Leslie, I... I'm with you. I would totally be – I would have read them. I totally would have read them. I figure I purchased the book. I mean, I, I'm, ethics be gone. Like, I think I, you can. I think you can. They're left out. They're like, in the public domain. On. They're in a bookstore. Yeah, read them. <laughs> send them to us. But I debate about whether or not to to send it because what if this person had – first, I think I would want to read them to decide if it was light. Or if it was heavy. And if it was like, I'm breaking up with you because of such and such, which who writes that on the postcard? I hope nobody. But, you know, if there was some really personal stuff or some big life stuff in there, I probably wouldn't send them because the person might have chosen not to send them for some reason. But my guess is that these were just two postcards to two separate people, stamped address, ready to go send them. I think it would be fun. In a vacation book that ended up at a used bookstore. But. I totally want to ask our audience to weigh in on this. So post to social media, post to Twitter, post to Facebook with your answer to Leslie's question. Should she read it? And if she does read it, should she send them based on what she reads in them? If they're casual and light, does she send them? Or if they're heavy, does she send them? Or does she try to find out who the original owner was and try to contact them there? I'm curious what our awesome etiquette audience would want to advise Leslie to do. We find that getting along with people is pretty important. Do you think you can do that? Oh, yes, I think I can. Thanks to everyone for sending in your questions. And remember, we love updates. If we answered your question on the show or if you have a comment about one of our questions, feel free to send it in. You can also submit your question to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com or send it in via Facebook or Twitter. Just use the hashtag awesomeetiquette so we know you want it on the show. Postscript segment today is about flu etiquette, which is definitely a consideration this time of year. And this flu season, I'm partnering with Genentech and the National Foundation for Infectious Diseases to offer flu etiquette tips to help families navigate their way through the flu season. Two thoughts right off the bat that I want to share with you are that cold and flu season is an important time to practice good etiquette as viruses are easily shared person to person. And what is etiquette all about? But whenever two people come together and their behavior affects one another, you certainly don't want it affecting your health. The second point is that flu is highly contagious and it's very easy to spread it, even up to about six feet away when people with the flu cough or sneeze or even talk. The virus is associated with more than 200,000 hospitalizations due to related complications annually. You do not want to be one of those people who gets hospitalized for the flu. So when you cough or sneeze, you want to make sure that you do it into your elbow or into a facial tissue and then throw that tissue away. But you even want to be aware when you're talking with people that those germs might be coming out of your mouth and might be spreading, as we said, about up to six feet away. 
The NFID did do a survey at the beginning of this flu season of about a thousand adults, and one of the most interesting things that I took away from it was that almost twice as many people call a healthcare professional when their child or someone that they care for is experiencing flu symptoms versus when they actually have the flu themselves. In other words, they're more willing to take care of those that they care for than they are to take care of their own health. And that's problematic because that means if they have symptoms, they can be spreaders and you don't want to be a spreader. So as soon as you recognize symptoms in yourself, go see a healthcare professional so that you can hopefully get some help and shorten the duration of your flu. In today's world, everyone is so busy that the idea of taking time out for you, it sounds like an easy one to dismiss. But we should not forget to take care of ourselves. Etiquette is truly all about consideration, and it means not exposing others to your germs. A sign of being considerate is to not get others sick. So again, go see your healthcare professional. Take care of your own health so that you're not a spreader. Our actions can go a long way to keeping ourselves and those around us healthy, and you don't want to be that person who spreads the flu. Never looked on favorably. You will never receive a thank you note for that. Trust me. Three basic etiquette rules that I want you to remember during flu season. The very first is to remember that the flu is contagious. Use the acronym FACTS, F-A-C-T-S, to tell the difference between whether you have a cold or whether you have flu symptoms. I know this is something that I'm always debating about. Oh, is it just going to be something that I'm a little bit sick with or is this really going to be a full-blown flu? The acronym FACTS goes like this. F is for fever, A is for aches, C is for chills, T is for tiredness, and the last one that's super important is S is for sudden onset. That sudden onset is a good indication that you have the flu. So if you have any of these symptoms, contact a healthcare professional quickly because believe it or not, What most people don't know is that your flu may be treatable with prescription flu medications, and your healthcare professional might choose to prescribe one of them to you, which could help shorten the duration of your flu. And there are lots of options for both adults and children. The third thing I want you to remember is that it is perfectly polite and okay to stay home and rest after seeing your healthcare professional right away while you're recuperating and taking your prescription medication. It is totally okay to not go to a party. It is okay to call in sick for work. In fact, not spreading it around your business, not spreading your flu around your social circle is really the polite thing to do. It can feel tough because you feel like you're breaking etiquette to cancel at the last minute or to not participate in a meeting or not go into work that day. But it truly is okay to cancel on a social event, send your regrets, reach out to the host, make sure that you let work know. Whatever it is that you need to do, take responsibility for it so that you are not spreading the flu this season. Now, let's consider how to handle some of the common moments when you are healthy but encounter someone who may have the flu, let's say on a plane, at a party, or in a meeting. You can absolutely offer a tissue or hand sanitizer to someone. In fact, it's considerate. It's not considered being pushy or overbearing. 
Just try to remember the use one and done rule when it does come to tissues. One use and you're done, throw it away, wash your hands, or use hand sanitizer. It's okay to say, oh, hey, I happen to have a bottle of hand sanitizer on me. Would you like some? Or it's polite to offer that person a tissue. Oh, I have a pack of tissues. Would you like one? All of those are perfectly kind offers to be making. So don't think that you're making someone feel gross or disgusting or trying to uh, suggest something wrong or impolite. It's perfectly okay to do these things. One thing that's not polite, however, is to ask the other person to leave or to avoid that person altogether. Remember, and this is really, truly important, as long as that person is covering their mouth, and that you aren't touching them and then immediately touching your face or mouth, you're not likely to get sick. So it's okay in social situations and business situations to shake someone's hand, even if you suspect that they might have a cold, because you know that as long as you don't then touch your hand to your face, your mouth, your eyes, your ears, that you are not likely to get sick. After you've talked with them for a minute or two, you can excuse yourself to the restroom to wash your hands or you can use a bottle of hand sanitizer so that you know you've killed those germs and they're not going to affect your body. This leads me right into the fact that you truly can only control your own behavior. When it comes to preventing the flu, there's lots that you can do and the CDC recommends a take three approach. The first and foremost thing is to get your flu vaccination. It is never too late. Even if you haven't gotten it yet, go get it now. The second is to use preventative measures like the ones we just talked about, covering your coughs and sneezes, washing your hands often, using hand sanitizer. And the third, as we said earlier on, seek help from your health care professional if you experience any symptoms because they may be able to prescribe a medication to help you shorten the duration of that flu. Finally, remember that it's important to practice proper etiquette with family and friends or at work during flu season to help you stay healthy and prevent the spread of the flu. You can visit NFID.org and FluFacts, that's F-L-U-F-A-C-T-S dot com for more flu fighting tips. And if you're a parent, you can download a coloring book in English or Spanish, to share with your children to teach them about flu etiquette. And that download is completely free. And it's a really useful and fun tool to help your kids have good flu etiquette. I hope that you stay healthy and get to enjoy lots of social situations throughout the flu season. But truly, I hope that if you do get the flu, that you remember it is the polite thing to do to stay home and limit your contact with others. And remember, you can seek your healthcare professional to get help with your flu, should you have it. You mean that's all there is, just what we've talked about? Oh, no. But you already know a great deal. And you can learn still more by watching mother and dad and other people who have good men. Hi, Lizzie and Dan. My etiquette salute is for a delivery person who went out of his way to ensure my shipment found me safely. Those are the best people ever. I ordered a pricey new smartphone and was having it delivered to my apartment building. I live in a small building with no doorman, and packages are left in a common area. When the delivery person arrived, he was concerned about leaving the package in an unsecured area, as he knew the contents were valuable. He called me to see if I was home to receive the package, but I was at work. He then asked if there was a better spot for delivery, so I gave him my office address, which is nearby, and he went out of his way to go to a second address, locate my office in a large building, 
building and hand the package to me personally. I was so appreciative of this extra care and effort. I made sure to send my positive feedback to his company, and I'm making an extra effort to be a patient and gracious customer in all my interactions with service workers. Best grateful customer. You hear that? She says you're not as rude as you used to be. What do you know? That's our show for today. Thank you for spending some of your week with us. And remember, there's no show without you. So please send us your etiquette questions, your comments and suggestions, and of course, your etiquette salutes. If you like what you hear, don't be shy. Tweet it, Facebook post it, and of course, you can subscribe on iTunes and leave us a review. On Facebook, we're Awesome Etiquette and the Emily Post Institute. On Twitter, I'm at Daniel underscore Post. And I'm at Lizzie A. Post. Or you can visit our website, emilypost.com. Our theme music was composed and performed by Bob Wagner, and our show is produced by the incredible Hans Buto. 